be able to join you in the celebration of this part of the history of this church. We're delighted to be here. How many has your Bible today? Oh, good, good, good. You don't have your Bible, hold up your empty hand. Bring your Bible to church and take it back home with you. Because you might meet a lion on the way and need your sword. (laughs) I love the Word of God more than anything in the world. I love my darling wife and my children. But the Word of the Lord is the rich, important thing that directs our lives. And I'm glad to know that He loved us enough down through the centuries and the ages of time, he has protected his word and brought it to us. I thought a lot of times if one of the four Gospels had been lost, it would truly have been a tragedy. But we still have three other Gospels that tell essentially the same story. The Gospels is much like If there was a bad wreck out on the road and four of us were standing out there and saw it and witnessed and the ambulance came, the police came, and are there any witnesses? Oh, yes, we we were standing here and we saw it happen. I said, well, we want each one of you to write a paper of exactly what you saw. Would any two of them be worded just alike? But they would all tell the story in detail. That's what you have in the four Gospels. If one of the epistles had been lost, it again would have been tragic. But we have other epistles that gives us direction on how to live for God, how to behave ourselves in the house of God, church government, all those wonderful things that we need in our journey toward heaven to make it successful and pleasant. But if the book of Acts had been there would be no hope for any of us because the plan of salvation, the foundation of the church, everything that we are, everything that we ever hope to be is there in that wonderful book of Acts. And I'm so glad that God has protected his word down through the centuries and we have it today. And I'm grateful to him for that. He established his church in the book of Acts, and it's still going on today. Here we are. We're here. Our beginning is in the book of Acts. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you on this wonderful day of celebration on a simple subject, but yet it's very profound I want to simply call it a spiritual or a living sanctuary. A living sanctuary. This beautiful sanctuary here, this is so pretty. You have no ceiling, but you don't know it. (laughs) I like that. I really like that. You give me an idea. When I go home, I'm going to buy some black Hallelujah. A living sanctuary. I want to call your attention and I want you to read some scripture with me. That's why I was feeling to see how many had Bibles. Turn to Second Chronicles, if you will. Second Chronicles, chapter 2 and verse 5. And I pray that God will be my helper today. Hallelujah. Uh, He didn't tell me how much time I have. Uh, Just so we get out before the Baptists and can get to the chicken dinners. That'd be soon enough, won't it? All right. God bless you and God bless the Baptists and lead them on. Hallelujah. Second Chronicles, chapter 2. If you found it, say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
Would you mind standing in honor to the precious Word of God? We hold this sacred book in our hands today. It is holy. It is God-breathed. There is not one single contradiction in this entire book. And I love it. Solomon determined to build a house for the name of the Lord and a house for his kingdom. Verse 5, And the house which I build is great, for great is our God above all gods. This is a great place. You are a great church. Not necessarily a big church, but a great church, which is much, much more important to God and to yourselves and to everyone that you meet. Back up to First Chronicles. And this is where I want you to read with me 17 verses here that somehow, in my mind, tell a, a beautiful story. And it gives us something to really consider. And I want to take a few thoughts out of this in a message today. First Chronicles chapter 29. Have you found it? Say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. I'm going to read the first verse, and then you follow with the second, if you would, in unison. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Read, please, verse 2. Because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Verse 4, please. The gold for things of gold. You know, God, if it looks like gold, it had better be gold. God don't want us to profess to be something and be something else. Gold for things of gold. Silver for things of silver. And for all manner of work to be made by the hands of the artificers. And who then is willing to consecrate all. What an end to this verse. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? Verse 6, please. Everybody said, offered willingly. <laughs> and gave for the service of the house of God, of gold, 5,000 talents, 10,000 drams, and of silver, 10,000 talents, and of brass, 18,000 talents, 
and 100,000 talents of iron. Verse 8. Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly. There that is again. Because with a perfect heart, they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Ten, please. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Verse 12, we're almost there. Now, therefore, our God, we thank Thee and praise Thy glorious name. Verse 14, please. <laughs> In that precious of Thine own have we given Thee. For we are strangers before thee and sojourners, as were all of our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. Sixteen, please. I know also, my God, that thou Christ the heart, and has pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly of read all these things. Now have I seen with joy thy people, which are present here, to offer willingly unto thee. Could we just clap our hands to Him? Thank You, Lord. Thank You for Your wonderful Word. God, You are worthy, Lord, of all of our praise. And we thank You, Lord, for the progress of this congregation today. For this house is Thy house, O Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And once again, we stir our minds and our memories as to where we are this day in the name of Jesus. You may be seated. You are so kind. Praise God. This house has been dedicated, I know, and that means to set apart and to consecrate something. But this story that we have read is the story of Solomon. He wanted to build for God a great and a magnificent house because he said, our God is so great. We must build something wonderful for him. God gives the plans for the building and we follow the plans. In other words, God lays down the requirements and when we build according to the requirements that God has laid down, then we can feel confident that God is going to accept the thing that we have built. When Solomon built the temple, there were five requirements that God laid down for the construction of that wonderful house that Solomon built. Sometimes today, people feel that well, we're volunteering our time and our efforts and our money and God ought to be willing to accept anything that we are prepared to give to Him. 
Uh, we better get to know God a little bit better than that. Amen. And uh, that's not so. We come God's way or we don't come at all. And the sooner that we learn that and adopt that as our way of thinking and our lifestyle, the happier that we're going to be, then the more successful that we're going to be in our run for heaven, hallelujah, in our walk with God. So God laid down five requirements, and Solomon had to follow these requirements. David wanted to build that temple. It was in his heart. And he was so excited about building it. But God had some requirements. God said, number one, I want a man of peace to build my house. It was in David's heart to do it. David was a man of war. And Nathan, when David told him, I'm going to build a great house for God because God is so great, Nathan was thrilled over what David wanted to do, like us. He said, oh, that's wonderful, David. Man, I think that's great. God bless you, boy. I give you the strength and the wisdom and everything that you need to do it. And Nathan started home. And he hadn't gone far when God said, Nathan, he said, yes. He said, go back and tell David he can't build my house. The man that builds my house is going to be a man of peace. And David has been a man of war. Uh, that must have been, you know, God puts some heavy things on the shoulders of his preachers sometimes some heavy burdens to bear, some heavy messages. Just just last week, I had a heavy job to do. Word reached me that uh, one of our preachers had preached over the weekend up in Kentucky. And on his way home, he came through Tennessee and at Johnson City, Tennessee, he got hit in the back end by an 18-wheeler. Hey, saints, wear your seatbelts, please. For your family's sake, I don't care what the law says about it. It only makes good sense. It flung her across him and in through the windshield, killed her immediately. His pelvis broken, legs broken, nose broken, and had to have some surgeries, and and I had to go tell the brother of that precious lady that your sister just got killed in a car wreck. You know, if God put some heavy things, go tell so-and-so. Go tell David, I appreciate the fact that you're interested in my house, but a man of peace has got to build this house. We can't have a man of war like you, to build this house. God stopped Nathan and said, go tell him, remind him that I have a right to tell him no. I took him out of his sheep garments. And I'm the one that put David on the throne. Therefore, I have a right to tell David, you're not going to build my house you have been too many battles, David. You're a man of war. Remind David of what I've done for him and that he can't build my temple because he is a man of war. And I want a man of peace to build my house. And he said, tell David that I'm going to raise him up a son. And he's going to be a man of peace. And I'm going to give him peace on, on every side of his kingdom. And uh, he will build my temple. You know, that is still a trait that God wants today. He wants us to be a man, a woman of peace on every side. God doesn't want fighting people. 
building his house and his church. Oh, yes, he wants us to fight the devil every inch of the way, but not each other. We're not here to find fault. Oh, if, if, if you are, you've already seen 14 faults in, my, in me already. I stand here with one hand in my pocket. In Zimbabwe, I had a lady come to me after church and said, Preacher, I saw you put your hand in your pocket. You don't do that. This is the house of God. You don't preach with your hand in your pocket. I said, I do. <laughs> God's looking for people that love one another, that love peace, that want the joy of the Lord, that are not always finding fault and picking and bickering. and uh, Oh, there's plenty of things we can find fault about. But this is not the place for that. This is a place to love one another. We are men and women of peace because we are building a living sanctuary, a spiritual house where God dwells, not in buildings of concrete and steel anymore, but in fleshly tables of, of warm-blooded men and women who are people of peace. Great peace have they that know thy law and nothing, everybody said nothing, shall by any means offend them. Keep your chin up. How's everything going? There's a fellow that wrote a book on success. He said, sometimes you have to grab yourself by the lips. Somebody said, how you doing? He said, terrific. If you can't say it on your own. You have to help yourself a little bit to spread some peace and some faith and a positive mental attitude. It's what God is looking for in us. Hallelujah. You know, Paul made some very wonderful statements on that line in Colossians chapter 3 at verse 15. He said, let the peace of God rule in your heart. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, he said, Follow peace with all men and holiness without such no man shall see God. He wants us to follow peace. In Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22, said, Follow peace with them that call on the Lord. Instead of looking to see where we're so different, we have some things in common. Let's see where we might be alike, what we can agree on. There's no two people in here, in this room, that see everything eye to eye. Every one of us will see something different. We don't build on our differences. Let's build on what we have that we're in common with. Hallelujah. Follow peace with them that call on the Lord. You see, God still wants men of peace today. And uh, He gave us the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost boiled down is righteousness, joy, and peace. Righteousness is being right with God, and joy and peace are two of the fruit of the Spirit. Oh yeah, God's still interested in men and women of peace that are building up this spiritual sanctuary. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, we are tried to see how peaceful we are with the world and with ourselves and with other men. And God gave us two homes to try us. One of them is our domestic home, and the other is the church. He wants us to have peace in both of our homes, our domestic home and our spiritual home, where we have all of our brothers and sisters here you go home and you got your brothers and sisters, husband, wife there. Have peace there. God is interested in domestic tranquility in our homes. He said, or your prayers will be hindered if you don't have peace at home. But if we have peace at home, 
Hallelujah. Our prayers are not hindered. And then we come in here with joy in our heart and bring a coal of fire from off of the altar and sprinkle our incense, our songs on that coal of fire. It fills the place with a sweet aroma of the that uh, entices the presence of God and He dwells in the praises of His people. Hallelujah. But if we fail in either one of these houses, how can we make our eternal home? First Thessalonians 5 and 13 says, Be at peace among yourselves. And the wonderful Beatitudes. You know, everybody wants to do something for God. Get in the Beatitudes. You can't do something until you have learned what He wants you to be. Beautiful attitudes, that word is translated in so many languages. He has given us the beautiful Beatitudes. And one of them says... Blessed are the peacemakers. He wants you to be a peacemaker. We are not ready to do for God until first of all we have learned what to be for God. And if we can't be what God wants us to be, how can we ever do what we'd like to do for God? He lined them up there, eight of them. Beautiful things that He wants us to be. And then He tells us what to do. He said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. That's what He wants us to do. To be salty. Salt penetrates. Light illuminates. That's what He wants the church to do. To penetrate that world out there. To illuminate that world out there. But we cannot do that if we have not, first of all, gotten in the bees and learned what to be. And one of them is, blessed are the peacemakers. Are you a peacemaker? If we're going to build this great church. We have our building now. Now we're trying to build the church. You are part of the church. It's going to require men and women of peace. That's one of God's requirements. The second thing, he said, I want you to build it according to my plan. I will give the blueprints on this building. I love Russia. I've traveled there a number of times. But there is a church of the blood in St. Petersburg. Most beautiful, magnificent things. There's onion domes all over the thing. Well, each one of those onion domes is a sanctuary. And there may be room for four or five people in there and a priest. And they've got a little table about the size of this keyboard. And they go in there and they do their communion, just a family at a time, just a man and his wife, and, and they're all over that thing. That's something a man has dreamed up. It's totally ugly inside, just cement plastered walls, outside's all the color. Wow. You know, it, it, that's so much like our world. Everything's just so glorious and so beautiful on the outside, but you get inside, it's... It's as ugly as sin. And I thought, God, don't let our church be like this. Let us be just as beautiful or even more beautiful on the inside where your people are, your people live, your people minister, your people pray and praise and worship and give and share and uplift one another. He's got a plan. David gave that plan to Solomon, a pattern. Well, it's the same pattern as the New Testament church. Jesus taught the eleven, and then they taught us. And he said to us, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? 
God gave David the pattern. He gave it to Solomon, and he was to require to build according to the pattern. And God has given us the plan of salvation, and He's not going to vary from His book of Acts. He said, repent and be baptized, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. There's nothing different. Nowhere does this Bible say, oh, just make a decision. And they've got a drive-in church in California, and they give the altar call. You want to accept the Lord as your personal Savior? Just honk your horn, blink your lights. Nonsense. Nonsense. God has a plan, and He will not vary for that plan for you, me, anybody else on this earth. If you want to be a part of His church, follow His plan. And He also has a plan for us to stay saved. Not only to get saved. Did you know that in all the epistles, from Romans all the way to Revelation, not one person received the Holy Ghost? Not one person was baptized from Romans to Revelation? The reason is... They had already been baptized and already received the Holy Ghost or there would have been no need for Romans to Revelation. Romans to Revelation is not written to the sinner man. You don't go to the epistles to tell somebody how to get saved. You go there to show them how to stay saved, how to live for God, how to walk with the Lord, how to behave themselves in the house of God, how to develop the fruit of the Spirit, and how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. His plan is concise. There's no axes or hammers allowed in the construction of that temple. There was not heard the ring of a hammer. It was all done in the mountain. And when the stones were brought, they slipped into place a perfect fit. If it didn't fit, it was cast aside and they were sent to cut another one. God had a plan. You cannot force something to fit. Uh-uh. It's got to slip into place. And we are being made here to fit over there. <laughs> Amen. He's cutting his pastor comes with a Bible study. What's he doing? He's cutting a little off here, smoothing this out here, chopping off some rough edges here, because he wants, when we get over there, we are a building, the Bible says, fitly framed together. In that great house for the great God, there wasn't the ring of the hammer. There, there, there wasn't the clang of the trowel. Everything was laid in place. It was cut to size, and it fit perfect, beautiful. As God planned it, hallelujah, we are putting, being put together a building in the heavens. In Ephesians, please, chapter 2, and I will hurry. And verse 17 says, And came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them which were nearby. For through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but citizens and with the saints of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together, growing into a holy temple of the Lord, in whom you also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. I'm talking about a spiritual temple today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Ephesians chapter 4, just the next page over. Listen at this. 
and verse 16. For whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. <laughs> he wants us to be a unit. He wants us to be one. That's how He wants us. When one of us hurt, we all hurt. They tell about the Englishman that whacked his thumb with a hammer. Half is me, man. I'd grab that thumb and I'd be dancing and shaking and my whole body would be quaking. They said the Englishman looked at it and said, oh, how unfortunate. When one of us hurt, we all hurt. Am I right? When, when somebody hurts, when I heard that that sister was killed, I wept. I couldn't help myself because I love God's people. I love His church. I am a part of it. I cannot just ignore something that is hurting us. Hallelujah. In Second uh, Peter, let me give you just one more verse. And I know you're afraid the Baptists are going to get there and get your slice of chicken. But I don't get here very often. So let me preach to you just a little while. Verse 16. Hallelujah. Now, I just read that. I want First Peter. First Peter 2 and verse 5. There it is. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up a spiritual sacrifice acceptable unto God by Jesus Christ. Well, pastor gets out the hammer and the chisel on Bible study night, and he knocks off the rough edges and smooths it and because he wants us to be fitly framed together as part of that great house, hallelujah, that he is building in the eternal heavens. And uh, the third thing is, he said, this was a Jewish thing, he said, no Gentile can enter into this temple that Solomon built, nothing unclean. Isaiah 52 and 11 says, Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. And I'm so glad when Jesus came, He broke down that middle wall of partition and that you and I can come to Him in repentance and we are one of His own. There's no Jew, Gentile in the church, just saved and lost. No black, white, red, yellow, just saved and unsaved. And He wants us saved by His Spirit. Hallelujah. You know, there's a terrible cost of compromise. When the Babylonians came to visit Hezekiah, He showed them all of His kingdom. He showed them His palace. He showed them everything. And Isaiah came on the scene and asked him, what have you done, Hez? Oh, man. <laughs> Isaiah, I can't wait to tell you, man. Do you know who this cat is? That is one heavy cat there. He come and he asked a lot of questions. And a door was open. And I showed him everything that we had to show. God didn't want that. He said, I'll tell you what you're going to do, Hez. They're going to come back with horsemen and they're going to steal everything that you showed them. Some things that happens needs to stay right here. If a problem should arise, and we are people, we only get so close that so we bump into somebody sometimes. The person that you work with don't need to know that. You don't need to discuss that over your dinner table at home. Leave it right here. Oh, y'all getting quiet. 
Is that all right? Do you believe that? Don't let the enemy in because he'll drag your kids out of the church. They'll be out there in that drug world. The devil has made a decision to destroy every young person in this church. You don't let everything that God's done for you. When, when Mary became pregnant of the Holy Ghost, she pondered that in her heart. Who would understand that? She would have been ostracized, criticized, thrown out, maybe lost the man that she loved so much, Joseph. But she pondered these things in her heart. There's some things that happens to us that God wants us just to tuck them away right here. He'll take care of it. He'll deal with it. You don't need to spread it on the job. You don't need to spread it to your neighbor because you may want to win them to God. You've been testifying to somebody and tell them, you know, we've got the, the Generation Church. That's where we attend. And you need to just come. Our singing is like heaven. And our pastor is a man of peace. And he loves us all so much. And we love him. And it's just a great church. And we want you to come and visit. And then they walk past your house. coming home from the store with a big bag of groceries in their hand. And they hear a noise coming out of that house that sounds like World War III. I told you to shut up. I'll knock you in the middle of next week. What? What am I hearing? This is where these folks go over to Generations. And they want me to be a part of that? You know, if you let everything in, you can destroy your testimony. You don't let everything in. You don't let everything in. You, everybody that comes by your house, you know, there's, I'm sure there's some dope dealers that come right by your house every day. There's probably a murderer. It just goes right by your house. You don't say, whoa, 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 stop, come in. Let's put on the kettle. Let's sit down and have a cup of tea. Let's, let's just get acquainted and visit. No. You don't want that person in your house. There's some things you don't share that's yours and your family's and your church. And it's beautiful. And to spread it and just tear it down. How could Mary tell anybody that I was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost? Oh, yeah, a great story, huh? Wow. No. She pondered those things in her heart. God's got the answer to every question you've got. He's the great calculator of all mankind. He has the answer to any column of figures you may have in your mind and in your spirit. And God will help us through. But your treasures, your young people, and because you opened the door to the house of God, the things that didn't belong to them, you're going to lose it. Hey, we're a living sanctuary. Turn to the one next to you and say, I'm a living sanctuary. I'm a living sanctuary. Praise God. Praise God. And number four. He said, I don't want anything that's imitation in my house. I want gold for things of gold, silver for things of silver. I'm telling you, friend, if it looks like gold, it's gold. You know, uh, there's a thing called electroplate today. And uh, I've seen them electroplate. They get a little copper finish on it and put a little electrode on it and drop it over uh, in a bucket of gold. Gold comes in vats like water. You can see through it. It just looks like a bucket of water. But when you drop this electrode in there and it's got an electrical current on it and another one 
in the the fluid, the the gold, liquid gold, it begins to attract itself to this. And when you pull it out, it's electroplated. It looks like it's pure gold. And it'll look just as gold as something that's solid gold. But when you put the file on it, it don't take much to cut through that little dab of gold, and you find it's just electroplated. If it looks like gold, he wants it to be gold. If you look like a Christian, he wants you to be a Christian. Some folks have learned how to look. They've learned how to act. They've learned how to knock out the routine. And they're a Christian on Sunday and Monday. They're mean as a stepped-on snake. Let's be real. Gold for things of gold. Silver for things of silver. Brass for things of brass. No phony plastic stones, real genuine gemstones we're going to put in the house of God. It's a great house because He is a great God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And He said, finally, number five. Everybody said, Hallelujah. (laughs) Number five. He said, I want willing workers. I don't want nobody putting a burden on somebody that they don't want to do. Who's in is willing? First Chronicles 29.5 Who's in is willing to consecrate His service this day unto the Lord? I love what I do. You love what you do for God. Had a fellow driving a bus, and he was hateful with the kids. and And I said, well, "What's? Tell me what's going? On. I don't want to drive that bus." I said, "Give me the keys. Park it. I don't want you driving that bus. You destroy more in two trips than we can build in a year. Go sit down. You're God. Don't want to do it. Don't do it." He wants willing workers, those that's happy to be involved. I'm a part of this living sanctuary. It's my life. I wouldn't miss it. He wants willing workers. I want people that want to work. We don't force anybody. I want nothing but people that want to work with me. We don't draft anybody. In World War II and in the Korean War, the United States had two armies. Did you know that? The U.S. had two armies. They had the Army of the United States and they had the United States Army. What's the difference? Well, the Army of the United States was made up of drafted men. And the U.S. Army was made up of volunteers. There's a big difference. Jesus has only one army. There's no draftees. Only volunteers for His service. Only volunteers. Those that want to be there. Those that are willing to sell out to the world and surrender themselves to God. Who then is willing to consecrate His service this day under the Lord? There's no compelling power in the call of God. If He calls you, you've got to be willing to do it. Say, yes, Lord. He said to his disciples, follow me. And he continued to walk. And those that wanted to followed him. He didn't stop and wait on them. He just kept walking. Those that followed him did so because they wanted to. And he says, for this living temple... I want a man of peace. 
I want him to build this according to my plan. I want to keep it clean. I want it to be real. And I want to do what you want me to do because I want to. It's never a duty to me, but it's a labor of love. And when we offer this to God, He will accept what we give Him. Build a house, a great house, because our God is great. Thank God that you burned the mortgage. Thank God. What a victory. Whew. Glad that's over. Now we can sit down. Uh-uh. Now you can go to work. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. What does that mean? What you doing, brother? Oh, I'm just just sitting here waiting on the Lord. Shall renew their strength. I mean, a guy sitting there on a the stool to do nothing, he don't need to renew his strength. He's a lazy lout. When you go to a restaurant, you want somebody to wait on you, don't you? Man, you can't even get anybody to wait on you in here. It's not talking about sitting down and just waiting on God to come with a prize pole to get you up. Hmm. That means serve Him. Wait on Him. Love Him. Do His bidding. And do it voluntarily. Not... Feel like you're obligated and you can't get past it. I remember Brother S.G. Norris teaching his little granddaughter about tithes. She said, Pavel, said, you mean I've got to give a dime out of every dollar to God? He said, that's right, baby. She said, don't learn me that. <laughs> Our tithing. That's to be a joy. It's never a burden. I always feel so happy when I can throw what God has blessed me with. I said, Lord, I want, to be, I want to be able to pay more tithes than this. Hallelujah. He'll just keep pouring it out on you. He said, if you do it, men will heap to your bosom, heaped up, pressed down, shaken together, and running over that you will not have room to receive it. I believe we can have that kind of a year. The world's falling apart all around us. Don't get shook. We're not the world. That's right. That's right. We're getting ready to take a trip. He's going to push the up button one of these days, and this old elevator is going to rise. <laughs> and I want to be on it. A living sanctuary. What an opportunity you have. You have a man of peace. He's my boy, but I know him. He loves you, and I'm sure you love him. He definitely loves you. He's told us so many times what a precious group of people he's working with. Loving wife, precious kids, and they're always taking in some stray. <laughs> wonder where he got that. It's been a joy to be with you today. I can see why he loves you. I love you too. <laughs>